This podcast is sponsored by Overcast, an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls, just a great podcast app for everyone. Get it free in the App Store. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Random Conversations with me, Elizabeth. Yay! And I'm here um, with uh, kink, experienced kinkster, advocate, mentor, prof- almost semi-professional fister, um, <laughs> um, a part of the the sex, the lesbian sex mafia. Uh, you do a little bit of everything. I mean, a comedian. I should also. Um, Say. Yeah, I do a lot of things. You do a lot. <laughs> Leather Redux is here. Yay! Yay! <laughs> and the crowd goes wild. Yes, yes. <laughs> so Leather... I don't know if they're going wild. or Maybe some of them are afraid. <laughs> no, so, no. Um, I'm not really a member of the Lesbian Six Month, but I am a lesbian, and I I feel that old leather, uh, the old leather life, so it's very mafia, for uh, lack of a better word, because... It had to be, um, but mm-hmm. we can talk about that later. But anyways, nice, uh, nice. I, I do show up at a lot of their events, okay. but I, I don't, I'm not an actual <laughs> member. You can only be a member if you're in the New York Tri-State area. Oh, that's Chicago, right. So. And I've asked to start a group here, and they're like, no. Why not? Wait, wait, wait. They're in New York. It would be amazing to do something like this in Chicago, though. Do something like that. Oh, I think so, too. I think that there needs to be something. I, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to come up with something. I I I get some things, get some irons. I get some ideas. We need something here. Yes, I think. Um, so. And we did something that's very POC friendly, uh, or or bent that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we definitely need something. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got something already. I'm tired of that. So. <laughs> um, so thank you for you know being on my little podcast. Uh, <laughs> one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you. Uh, well, there's so many, but you do a lot. And I think I'm intrigued by the fact that you are, uh, you, you are a mature person and you are very still like you let your freak flag fly in a way, in a sense. Yes. And I really appreciate that. I think that's really, I think that's really awesome. Um, we did a pre-interview before this and we were talking and, um, I also wanted to talk about your experiences coming out in the 80s. Oh, my God. Yeah. As, there's, you know, a as a lesbian. But I wanted to know. So how did you for I guess to wrap it up? I know you shared the story so many times. How did you get into leather, the leather scene? Initially? OK, so it, so first of all, um, uh, my name is Leather Redux and I uh, pretty much grew up in Chicago most of my life. My family emigrated here, um, and and I came here very young. I was like eight, and I emigrated to the U.S. And um, where did you so immigrate from? A, uh, the Philippines. I'm Filipino. Okay. So I'm Asian as hell, and um, <laughs> um, that I think I, everyone I think everyone's upbringing has some sort of influence. I grew up under a very so this is why I tell you this little tidbit. I grew up under a very strict household, very religious. Wow. But I think that's what usually what happens. I think usually like the, the preacher's kid is usually the freakiest one. I think it's the same thing, right? Uh, I grew up in a very, very religious household, and I grew up very, very strict Catholic. I mean, when I was in kindergarten in the Philippines, we, we went to church every day. So, like, oh. you went to school, 
you went to church, you, you had mass, which was about an hour, then you went back and did your school stuff. And I'm in kindergarten, so it's pretty intense. And then I would go home, kneel in front of the altar that we have at home, do the rosy another hour. I'm starving. I want to eat, and I can't say anything. So I grew up in a very strict traditional, and traditional is a nice way of saying sexist, mm. you know, <laughs> culture mm. with a lot of rules and a lot of things like that. So I like those things. Um, That's so interesting. Coming, yeah. So that's why I think fast forward, I'm this little kinkling. I stole that from Guy Baldwin. <laughs> if you I'm this little kinkling. And I've always known be, that I have this thing about, um, you know, uh, maybe, you know, liking hitting people in a fun way or um, doing kinky things. I just always kind of knew I was very precocious as a kid. Wait, I knew a lot so, of stuff. So you very, said very young hitting people. So you that was a young I was at a young age. You were like, oh, I like I like hitting people. Well, but, but first of all, I, uh, to be fair, um, not all kinksters grow up in a physically abusive household. Mm. Sometimes some of them have none. They don't even. Some of them have such a vanilla. They had like a good life. You know what I mean? <laughs> Their parents didn't hit them when they were bad. Didn't hit them with the extension cord. They didn't spank them. Um, and they didn't. They weren't mentally abused. And then they really love this because it's the complete opposite. So there are people that. It's a stereotype that, well, you had to have been beat up or abused to go into the lifestyle. Yeah. And that's not true. Now, um. in my case, I was. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, um, I use it as a, I was intrigued with it in a different way. Like, you know, like the silliness of it when you're, you know, like, I want to spank somebody, you know, that kind of playfulness. Like, I'm going to spank you because you've been naughty, blocka, blocka, you know, that kind of <laughs> thing. And so being curious about that. And then being also uh, growing up uh, in the 80s uh, during the early uh, parts of, of the basically the gay rights movement, you're surrounded by a lot of kinky people, specifically the, the gay leather scene. Mm. And when you see, uh, for myself, I would see these leather clad men and women, you know, a lot of... It was, the leather scene was very much in the beginning just a very gay thing. Mm. It was not. It was for lesbians and gay people. Mm. I and always it thought it changed. was for men for some reason. It was for men. It started out uh, to give a little. I, I don't want to detract too much, but mm -hmm. it started out basically once the men were coming back from World War II. So imagine during World, during the time of, of World War II, everybody's all the men are de deployed to all these different parts of the world fighting, you know, from Australia to the to Great Britain, to the United States, to Asia, to every, everyone, everyone's fighting because it's a big world war. After the war, war was done, everybody came home. And that's what precipitated the baby boomer era mm. because all these guys came home, they settled down, had kids, they had tons of kids, and those were the boomers. But the key to this is that some of the men, well, a good chunk of the men that came back like, we don't want to get married and have kids. We want to live our life. We had to, we saw a lot of rough shit. Mm. We want to have a lot of sex, mm -hmm. do a lot of things, mm -hmm. you know, get down tonight kind of a thing, right? <laughs> we want to do stuff. And uh, the big recreational sport at that time was riding motorcycles. So there was this convergence 
around the 1940s, uh, late 40s, when, when the war was, was over, that not all these men settled down for the white picket fence and got married and made kids. Some of them are like, let's ride these motorcycles. And together. all these motorcycles, yeah, and then they, they together. Because we don't want to do that. We want to be wild and drink and do all these things or, or just ride these bikes and race them because that was like the new big sport. And it was during that time when the gay leather culture started. Mm. There was a lot of these um, uh, bike riding groups. But they're all just dudes riding around and they would take over towns, kind of like how Sturgis does it now. Like, But it's like that, that thousands. It was just like be a thousand or two thousand people. Mm. And from there, there's this weird thing that starts to happen all these guys are hanging around like well we'll start our own kind of gay motorcycle clubs and that's what started to happen that's why there's a big convergence in biker culture and the early gay leather scene so why did they wear leather because that was the most protective thing when you're riding a bike why um and then they fuse this military culture Mm -hmm. with this bike riding culture like um, if you were traditional, like, um, and I don't want to say old guard, old guard doesn't mean anything to me. It's just, it's just, you know, leather is the way it is. Mm-hmm. When leather, when people became part of a leather family or joined a group or became inducted, they would piss on your boots, which is a thing wow. that uh, leather people do. And also biker people. It's a way of marking you. They're putting their DNA on you. They're saying you, we own you. You're That's part very, of very, very kinky. Yes. And so sometimes the gay men did this and some of the women did it too. You, you had the fuck in your boots. You had the fuck in your leather. That was like, really? yeah. So the thing that was really attractive to these gay men in forming these groups was they wanted to explore all these kinky taboo things while riding their bikes and doing leather. And so that's why it's got this edge to it. They were really exploring all these taboos. So for the most part, it was a gay, cis, white thing. Mm. So that's important to the story. And then after that, I'd say around the 60s and 70s, the lesbians were like, what the fuck are you guys doing? We are very curious of this shit. We want some of this. What is this shit you're doing? Mm-hmm. And then the lesbians got into it. And so that's where I came in. You know, I came in in the late 80s. And um, there were a lot more lesbians doing it at that time. There was groups like Lesbian Sex Mafia <laughs> out of New York, where a lot of famous leather women were coming out of. Um, but I would say uh, the leather culture would have ended um, if I'd say the hetero community didn't pick it up mm. because the AIDS crisis was killing everybody, literally. I mean, I, I try to explain it to people. Imagine you go to a club mm-hmm. and it's full, and then you go a couple weeks later and it's like, three quarters full and then it's half. Oh my God. Now you're like, what the hell happened? And then that's a really rough thing to think about. Yeah. But think yeah. about that. Imagine that half of your friends are gone. And Jeez. that's a really rough thing to think about. So that's where a lot of these traditions that a lot of people think, uh, there's a lot of mythos about what leather is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of BS. And like the idea of earning leathers. There was earning leathers. You could mm-hmm. earn stuff. You could get it. I never earned shit. I had to buy everything that I got. Ah, and those are expensive. Leather's expensive. Leather's expensive. And so um, there's things like that. So I think um, I only started to see people giving or b- giving leather when, during the AIDS crisis because many of the gay men were dying and they wanted it to go on and continue. So like, you know, they would, and, and leather's expensive. So they'd pass it on to other people um, and say, I don't want this to die. Keep doing this. 
And um, and also, this is when the hetero community starts to get in there. Mm. Most of the groups were just very, like I said, it was for the gay gay community. But around this time, if if the hetero people didn't pick it up, we probably wouldn't have the community that we have now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that changes things, right? Because that's a very different thing, and that's why there's that's such a difference between what people hear about what we did mm-hmm. and what is really going on. Because there's a lack of communication and people don't really know so okay so leather so you are raised in this really really yes. strict household how did yes. you have the freedom to even come out as lesbian sexual you know sexually and then go oh, oh and also i'm kinky oh yeah so so that's the thing so first i realized at a very young age at around 16 that i really like girls i really prefer to be with women i prefer it and um, and I seek it out. I, I, I start to, you know, I, I, I date guys anyway. There's, there's some men that I've dated along the way and all this. It, it, you know, that's part of the process. You kind of have to figure it out. Mm. And then I realized that this is where I want to be. So well, the minute I was old enough to start going to bars, I started going to bars. Mm-hmm. And then I start going to bars and I say, what is this leather thing? You know, I, what is this? I got to find out about it. Then I find out that at least at the time that I was doing it, it's a very, guess what? strict, <laughs> very protocol ridden. You got to do this to get that very hierarchical. Right up your alley. I love it because it speaks to me. And then I think also in addition to that, leather is sexy and some of the people are like really hot. I'm like, oh my God. And it was very hypersexual. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're in this hot leather doing this hot, fuck, 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 fuck. you know, you're doing all this stuff. <laughs> and that's what I wanted to do. I'm like, I want to hang out with those bitches. I want to be with them. What is that shit? I want to find out. And that's how I got into it. Wow. That's exactly how I got into it. So it, I started hanging out with them. And then I officially made it the, the leap to join, like, probably, like, a, a, I think, 88, 89. I mean, I'm around them. I'm befriending them because I want to find out more about it. So, I'm like, so around the, the late 80s was when I really was officially in the lifestyle. So are you, like, and, were you, like, sneaking out, kind of just sneaking, sneaking and then did, was it that, yeah, did you go to college? Did you, did you just like, how did, how oh did you get God, your freedom? Yeah. I, I, I fucking, uh, I'm such a rebel. I was such a rebel. First of all, um, I knew for a fact because of the way my parents are and the way my family is, being a lesbian was not going to be cool. Um, Filipino culture, I don't, not so much now, but my family and the culture that I had was, it's okay to be a gay man. And so, and so for some reason, being a gay man, oh, that's okay. They can't help it that they love this. I mean, to, to, they can be with men. Who, who doesn't love dick? I don't, you know, but who doesn't, right? And that was like, it's okay. They can't help it. It was like the weirdest thing. It's like totally sexist. But it's not okay to be a lesbian because then you're turning your back on doing your duty. duty basically, is, yeah. To have children mm-hmm. and to have a family. And how mm-hmm. is the family going to propagate and all this going to continue if you um, turn your back on it. Mm. So they're really harsh on lesbians. My, I watched, when I was a kid in the Philippines, I watched my cousin like really get beat up by my like uncle because what? he was like, she was, and she was, yeah, cause she was, she was very much, she was a hardcore dyke. I mean, she was like lesbian to the core. <laughs> and they were trying to like, you can't beat the gay out of somebody. Mm. I mean, if anything, it just keeps the gay in, you know, it makes it, <laughs> it makes it more. So, um, and, I, and I'm sorry if I, I don't want to offend anybody if I use these arcane terms, but th- this is the time I'm talking about. So I, I don't talk that way now, but I'm just saying this is what was like. So she eventually leaves the Philippines and 
she lives in New York right now. She she said, screw this. I'm going to the States where, you know, they're they're not so well, they're bad about it, but not as bad about it in the Philippines. So um, I left, uh, I, I moved out of the house when I was 19 because I could not take it. I mean, how am I going to sleep with girls, get with girls, all this stuff and go to college when I want to get with girls? And I, I was like, right. I can't be at home. How am I going to do this and, and be gay as fuck? So I, <laughs> I know I could do it at home. So I actually moved out when I was 19 with like my best friend. And I went to university. I went to college. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like trying to. It was it was an interesting time. I'm. Ooh, I, was totally I would be like, so. I'd be so scared. Huh? Were you were were you scared? I mean, especially no. with everything else going on. No, I, I was not. I, I people have asked me this. I'll, I I I just do shit. I don't think about it too much. <laughs> I'm pretty bold. Um, you know, so I, I make jokes all the time. Like I'm so shy, and I know I'm not. Oh, you are not I'm, shy either. I'm so not shy. I just walk up to people and I I just say hi. I got nothing to lose. I mm. just I don't care. Mm. And so I'm gonna move out. This is it. I'm gonna live my life, and um, I'm going to go to college because I mean, my mom was convinced I wasn't gonna make it or make something of myself. I'm like, well, no, I'm I, I'm not gonna do that. You you raised us to be this way. I had to get straight A's in high school. Are you kidding? I had to. <laughs> People talk about the tiger mom. I had a dragon mom. I mean, that woman ate tiger moms for breakfast. I mean, she was so fierce. So one day I came home from, from high school and I had one D. And she's like, what is this D? Why do you have D? Huh? And I'm like, what? It's in gym. Gym? What is? Why can you not do the gym? What is the gym? You run. You do. What is the gym? I'm like. Mom, I'm I'm a chubby athletic nerd. I I can't, you know, I could not. I can't do that stuff. You would get this right, huh? You better not do this again. I'm like, I had straight A's all the way except this one time. Oh my I get a D, and I had to work on it. I mean, I don't. I said, you gotta give me. I gotta get a B at least. I can't make. I can't do the Asian straight A, you know, because you know. If, have you ever heard what an Asian F is? No. Oh wait, no. What is it? A minus. Oh. So like, <laughs> I mean, these are terrible stereotypes, but Oy. it's true. There's such pressure to, to exceed and to be better. And um, my mother was, uh, this is a true story. She mm-hmm. was really intense. When we moved here, I'm five years old mm. and I want to go play. I don't want to talk about deep shit. I'm a kid. I'm five. Mm-hmm. And she calls me into the house. She says, get in here. I'm like, okay, yes, mom, what's wrong? And she's like, I want to tell you something. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're going to go to the United States and I want to tell you something. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a kid. Okay, mm-hmm. mom, what? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, you will never be white. You are not the white. Oh, you will my never goodness. Be the white. So you have to be 10 times better than the white. You understand me? I'm like, okay. The talk. Like, can I go play now? I don't want to know what the hell the white is. Mm. I don't know what this shit is about. I'm a kid. Mm-hmm. And she prepped me for that. Mm-hmm. She didn't realize she put all that in me that I realized that I would never be seen as equal mm. or as, as good or whatever, because there's always that I can't hide who I am mm-hmm. and let alone compounded with gay and brown and, 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 and an immigrant. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. yeah. So you re- she, she didn't realize she really prepped me to be like, fuck it. They're not going to accept me. I got to go get the shit. Ah, so it was already ingrained in you, that kind of yeah. sense of like, I don't care. I'm going to, I have to do this anyway, because it's my life. It's my um, life, yes. 
Wowzers, wowzers, wowzers. So what, I, I'm kind of just curious, have you, what's your relationship with them now? I mean, it's, that's a long time ago, but do, do they understand you a little bit better or was that? I was a lot closer with my father. My father uh, and I were tight, super tight. He really understood me. And I was kind of like, and I make a joke of this all the time, so please nobody write shit on my foot or <laughs> things like that. I'm not trying to be offensive. I, this is comedy, people. Mm-hmm. If you're easily butthurt, I'm putting the trigger warning right now. Hey. I am a kind of extreme bitch. I, I just can't help it. <laughs> but I am like the Tito of my family. I'm the only one that looks like my dad. All the ah, others look like my mom. Wow. And so my dad is very endeared to me, and I'm endeared to my dad because we hmm. get each other. And so my mom and I always had a tumultuous relationship because I was not that femme, high femme, typical stereotype you have about Asians, like the long, I had the long hair down to practically my middle back or to my ass, mm-hmm. but I'm running around with boys climbing trees and mm. my mom is like, what the fuck is wrong with that <laughs> yeah. one? You know, and my sister is like high femme, makeup, super Asian, you know, like, just like, disgusting sister, bad <laughs> sister, you know, and I was not, I, I just couldn't do it. I'm like, what the hell? I don't understand this it's shit. Just, just not and me. it was not me. So as a, I, I do believe that there is definitely a genetic component to a lot of these things. Cause I mean, I, I came out running around like that. I was not, you know, I mean, my sister came out like fam, you know, and I was like, well, Hey, you know, like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> you know? So I think I always was. And, um, so I already was, I didn't have a great relationship with my mom in the first mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. So that's another reason that I was like, oh, if I start to do all this extra gay shit, this is not <laughs> going to go well for me. So I, that's why I moved out uh, on my own. And um, I kept in touch with um, my nieces and nephews mm-hmm. and, you know, cause they're young. They kind of got it. Like, you know, how they were struggling with uh, being raised by uh, an immigrant, you know, parent, uh, my brothers and sisters. Which they were, is an experience. Was, they couldn't understand, like, basic shit. Like, mm. they would call me and say, you know, Tita, which means aunt, how come I can't go to a sleepover? Oh, my God. And I said, yeah, I said, that's because you, you're you not thinking like a third world. I said, in the third world, there's not a lot of food. And if you eat other people's food, that's that means like you couldn't your family can't support you she goes oh that's why my my mom said that like my sister would say shit to her like what's wrong with our house you have to go to their house mm. what we're not gonna eat their food you yes. have food yes. they looked at it from a from a uh, you know a, a resource uh, a, you know type of thing and then I, then they would reverse it and say well they can can they come over here no i don't want them to eat our food <laughs> we have food we're not feeding the neighborhood. You know, they don't lose their shit. Like, I so totally understand that. So my mother not understand that shit. She was like, what is this sleepover? Why are they sleeping here? We don't want them here. Mm, you know? Mm. And I, because yeah, my mother didn't understand, you know, I, I, uh, and I'm like, well, can I go over there? No. You can, can we can feed you. I don't want them to think you're eating their food. Uh, so there were like no kids that came over. They didn't do that because... That's a culture of uh, resource. You mm-hmm. don't have it. Um, I remember when I was a kid, sometimes going going to sleep with no food. Mm. It's not like here. There's uh, people don't understand that there is no. Um, in in a lot of countries, there's no uh, assistance. Right. If you you're just on hustle, your own, and you're on your fucking own. Yeah. So there's no like okay well i'm gonna go get this card to get this food there's nothing there's mm-hmm. like if you don't hustle you don't eat mm-hmm. so there are times i would go to bed there was no food okay 
drink, keep drinking water, bitch, because <laughs> that's your dinner. You can pretend it's a fucking whatever, bunch of noodles and rice. Good luck. That's what you eat. Whatever yeah. you can do. Let's no, go I'm that and, and the hustle and find some fucking food tonight. I totally understand that with a, you know, my mother is an immigrant too. And that the sleepovers thing always got to me because yeah, that was something I could never really explain to her why I wanted to spend the night <laughs> over somebody else's house and eat somebody else's food. Yeah. So I, I totally, totally it was totally con- that. seen as an inconvenience and fucking rude. They were like, why, yeah. why do they want to do this shit? So wait, yeah. okay. So you told me before that uh, you had to come out twice, essentially. And yes. you lost some friends. So you had to come out as a lesbian woman. And then when you came out as, hey, I also like to beat the shit out of people <laughs> for fun. You know, like, yeah, yeah. In, in, in kink, we call that your second coming out. You come out the first time saying, oh, hey, I'm gay. Yay. You mm-hmm. know, and then you lose friends. And then you, then you have to say, oh, and I also like the leather lifestyle. And I kind of kinky and I, I like fisting and I like to beat a chick. They're like, what the fuck? You know, and then you lose more friends so like. Okay, then we're just stuck with these handful of people now mm. because because um, back then it was really, really edgy and really, really um, subversive. Mm-hmm. Now it's almost mainstream. I mean, you, everybody's familiar, even if it's represented incorrectly, like in porn or in Fifty Shades. Yeah. People now now have a vocabulary for this is kinky. Or there they at least know Master people. Slave, but that's probably about yes. it. Yeah, master slave or dom, dom sub, you know, top bottom. They have an, a, an understanding that there's this beating thing that happens. You know, there's there people. So, know, so, okay. So for people who don't like a, I guess, because everyone describes what kinky is differently. Well, how would you describe it for just randoms who don't know? I would say if you like to test the limits or explore things that might be somewhat taboo, you're kinky because um, there are many things that, you know, some people wouldn't do that. Like, so if you want to like pra- do role playing or you want to add things to uh, it, it starts from the bedroom, first of all. So if mm-hmm. you're like already kinky in the bedroom, you're doing other things than uh, uh, adding things to like something like anal may not be seen like kinky, but that's kind of kinky. A lot of people mm-hmm. know that's an out. That's not an mm-hmm. in, you know. So the minute you're doing things that people might consider taboo or a little bit extreme, you're kind of kinky. And that range can vary because, I mean, okay. we're just being kinky. We go over to the pleasure chest or we order some stuff on Adam and Eve and we have these feathers that we play with. Then you're a kink light. Ah. And then when you're kink heavy like me, you've got floggers, you've got whips, <laughs> you've, you know, you're, you've moved to another... You're kink heavy. You got okay. tools. You got like an arsenal. You got tools. Okay, now okay. you got implements. Everything. You don't look at the world the same way. And like, and, oh, look, let's use the spatula. That I could use that. <laughs> oh, what about this thermos? I'm going to hit you with this thermos. You start to look at things as pervertibles, as I like to call per- Wait. You know? I like that, though, as pervertibles. Yeah, but pervertible. That c- huh. I kind of have yeah. to think about that a little bit more. Yeah. So you, you look at a kitchen differently. I mean, I have a lot of friends who are in the, who I have a lot of friends who are in the um, service industry mm-hmm. who unfortunately were affected affected by COVID. Mm. But you go to those restaurant stores, different. Like, what the hell is that? And they tell you, oh, that's a, this and that. Oh, this, this is a meat tenderizer. Oh, I could use that. Uh. And you start to think of things differently. <laughs> you are kinky. You know, you are kinky. If you're looking at that, you know, I'm cooking. I'm like, this spatula has a nice bent to it. Oh, I, I could use that. Oh, you are kinky. 
Yeah, and so like, wait, and so for, and so for you, it's not just in the bedroom. It, it's outside of the bedroom bedroom as well. Yeah. You're yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't. Um, mo- my kink is I I get pleasure. I am a, I'm a sadist. I'm not as big a sadist as other people that I know, but I'm a sadist. I do get pleasure um, hurting people, but I hurt them in a consensual manner, which means that they. There's a long negotiation. Sometimes the negotiation is months. Okay, so what would you what would you say? Sorry to cut you off. What would you say to someone? What would you say to someone who says, "Well, why would you want to cause someone pain? Why does that make you feel good?" Oh well, there's a whole science to it. There's um, there's even a group called the Science of BDSM that that studies why people do this and are into it. The thing that people don't understand is. They think it's all sexual. People that are kinky sometimes just do things to experience things or to feel things or to get some sort of um, um, mental elation. Mm. And it's, it's all related to kinky things that you can do. So the term BDSM, you know, bondage, uh, domination, uh, so, you know, uh, sadomasochism, you know, by doing things like either binding people up or or using implements to hurt them, people reach this uh, euphoric state, and that's what they go for. It's not always sexual. I do not have sex with any of my play partners. Or if I meet people in the dungeon, I just have these um, what we call scenes with them mm-hmm. or play. Okay? So kinky people say play. Be, uh, leather people say scene. Uh, scene to me is more accurate because it's just like thinking about it like a, a director. Someone's a director. We're both actors. Someone's directing everything. There's a top and a bottom. But the this, top is in charge. So that euphoric, you get a euphoria, but it's not an orgasm per se. Sometimes you do. Yeah. Some people can li- reach such levels of euphoria that they actually have an orgasm. I, I've had that happen. I was... Um, having a scene with this woman, I was using floggers on her. And then at the height of the scene, she had an orgasm. She squirted all over the place. We had to put puppy pads down everywhere. She she squirted from the scene. And then of course I looked at her like, you know, like clean it up, bitch, you know? And she's like, yes, (laughs) ma'am. So wait, um, I kind of want to ask, so what was that feeling like of beating somebody for the first time? Oh my goodness. Um, first of all, I came up, the way I came up is different. And so it took a while for me to beat people. Um, in the, not all people and not all traditions do this, but I do it when I train as well. When I joined this group of women in the 80s that I was just like really wanting to join, I'm like so curious about this lifestyle. What can they teach me? You have to work your way up. You got to work into learning how to do this stuff. They taught you the lifestyle from the ground up. I knew nothing. I was like zero. So I'm starting to hang out with them. So I go to play parties and I had to uh, basically do service and service could mean anything from you help clean up, you help set up. There's like maybe they're teaching or there's teaching sessions, you know, so you set up the chairs and you just, there's an obligatory time that you have to do this. And in terms of me, I wanted to beat people right away. I was very toppy. I'm not a very submissive person. 
but they're like, well, you have to bottom first. Now that's not always true for everybody. Because ah, I hear so many things first. about that. I hear I, I, I in the scene. Well, now I hear people are like, oh, that's such bullshit. Oh, I'm never going to do anything like that. It's not bullshit. It's really important. But uh, and it doesn't mean that you have to get a full crazy on beating. You need to experience what it's like for you to be there. Now, I had some full on scenes because I had very strict people when I was coming up. So, the, I mean, those things that you see, maybe where their butts are bruised up and all that. And, yeah. I, and it was like painful to sit. I've experienced that because I had to to learn what it was like for that person, what it was like if you beat somebody like that. So I had to have a real scene and a couple until they said, okay, it's you now you understand. I think people who have bottomed, and that and this is not a judgment for anyone who, who feels this way, but I think it really does give you more humanity. You're not quite mm. such a dick because you know what it's like to be that person and you know that feeling. You know that fear of having to be vulnerable and allowing someone to do this to you and that trust and mm. that fear that you have to go through. If you don't go through that, then it's of course it's easy to beat the hell out of people, and it's easy to be brute, use some force, brute force, and have some brutality. It's hard to do it and play and do it correctly without injuring them. Yeah, and that's the that's the valley. Are you the kind of player that really pretty much is an asshole and just beats people to beat people? Yeah, or are you the kind that tries to take them on a journey? so that they experience this euphoria when you're playing. And that's what I try to do. See, wow. I try to journey through beatings. Euphoria out of them. Pardon me? A journey through beatings. Yes. It's a journey because I have to, I don't play with everybody. I have to have a connection with you. Uh, and I play with men too, but not a lot, but I, I, cause that's, I'm just biased mm -hmm. and that's just truth. I'm not going to apologize for that. Mm -hmm. um, but there, there are people that you just can connect with. When you can connect with them, I can play with them. Then we negotiate about what we're going to do. And the reason people like the lifestyle or BDSM lifestyle is because you allow yourself to journey in this euphoric state. Why, how, why does that happen? Because whether you're doing, um, I also do hypnosis, whether you're doing erotic kinky hypnosis or whether you're doing rope, or whether you're doing impact or you're beating people like I do, mm -hmm. you're basically traumatizing the body. Okay, this is all the chemical things that happen. You're basically, it's trauma, you're hitting it, you're hitting it repeatedly. And what happens? Your body goes into high alert. Mm -hmm. It sends all these hormones, it sends cortisol, it sends adrenaline to your body and courses through there. And these hormones then do things, what they're supposed to do when your body is getting injured. It's going to protect your brain and it's going to protect your body. So as this scene is going on, cortisol shuts things down. It shuts down uh, your need for hunger. Your 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 it shuts down your need for food. Mm -hmm. It shuts down um, you know some of the reproductive things. That's and and adrenaline just you know starts you know you rush things start rushing through your body. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing that's released in combination is dopamine. The same thing that people experience with like runners high mm. and all this stuff. If you've been doing a lot of things, so now the dopamine is released and that's what gives people this like really amazing blissed out sensation. Subspace is what the beat people that are getting beat call it. And this is what releases that. And then the tops get it too. Like the person that's 
that's doing the beating like me, I get it too. I get what's so-called top high or top space. Wow. And now we're doing something else. There's this energy play going on. There's this connection and it feels incredible. And that's what I like. I don't smoke weed. I mean, I've done it. I don't drink. I love this because ah, I your equate thing. it. Yeah, I, I equate it to feeling that way. It feels like sometimes like I'm drunk, but happy drunk. I mean, sometimes it feels like I'm incredibly high. Like uh, I don't do bongs, but I would equivalent it to like a big giant bong hit <laughs> where I'm sitting there like giggling and pointing at everything, acting like an idiot because I'm so high. Wow from the dopamine that's rushing through your body. At the same time that this dopamine is rushing through your body, it, it sort of makes you numb to pain. So that's why being a good top or dominant, you have to be able to read if that person can really take more or is that the dopamine release so that this doesn't hurt anymore. After a while, like, oh, that doesn't hurt, I can right. take more. And then now you have to cross that line of read their body, read their energy. Could they take more or it's time to go down because that's just too much dopamine. Have you, have you ever gotten lost in the beatings? Oh yeah, but I'm still in control. That's the key. Some, you have to know yourself enough. I cannot allow myself to get too, too lost because that means then, uh, you know, that, that's when injuries can happen. That's when like, you don't want to hurt people. That's when you don't want to have to call 911 and like, you know, or something like that. So you have oh. to be very aware. I do not get into top high till they leave. Do you think that this would at all come out in any other way if you didn't find the leather community and then the BDSM community? Do you like? No, I don't think I would. I mean, I was already very hypersexual. So sex was already my thing, mm -hmm. but it's not always easy. And especially during the AIDS crisis, People were afraid to have sex. I mean, quite frankly, I yeah. mean, I mean, sometimes you're thinking well, if, if they put something in, am I going to explode? I mean, right. you were actually kind of oh afraid that you would die. So this to me uh, was the most amazing thing to be able to, um, for me, being a control freak, <laughs> be oh. able to create hmm. a scene and create this sort of dynamic play with another person. Mm -hmm that I love, that I still had connection and intimacy without having to have sex and without having to have drugs, without having to drink. And this connection is very addictive because it, there's intimacy. I mean, I don't make out with them. There's, it's not like that, but you're touching them and you're, you're giving them different sensations. You're taking them on this journey and mm. I'm in charge. And I yeah. like that. Mm. And um, yeah, it's, it's a thing. So it's wait, a real, so going back to that beating, beating that person for the first time, how did you feel? Were you like, Oh yes, yes, this is it. Oh yes. It was, it was, this is, I, it was, I was a natural because at, by that time um, it was learning. So after I had done my time and shown that I was very serious about the life, so I wasn't going to just punk out after a month and, you know, or learn some shit and leave. I was determined. Then I could ask the other women I was with, I said, is it, can I learn how to use floggers? And I go, okay, yeah, go over there. She'll teach you how to use it. Can I learn how to use whips? Oh, yeah. Um, by the way, Guy Baldwin is going to be coming in the dungeon uh, in the next week or so. And, uh, you know, you can come to that class where he teaches whips. Mm. So that was the beginning of my journey in learning how to do impact. This, how did you find partners that, were, that would be okay with that? Well, that was part of the training. That was part of the training. It's like you uh, were part of these groups and like, you know, hey, uh, 
in leather, you know, there's always, hey, oh, yeah, I'll bottom for you. And, and, you know, or somebody, you had mentors, people mm. will show you things, you know. Um, or what about, so I, I was, what about in your dating life? My dating life, during the 80s, I was quite um, an active person. Very safe, though, because it was the AIDS crisis. So I really kept things separate. I would do kinky things in the dungeon, but I never had sex with the people that I was seeing in the dungeon. Maybe one person, but that's mm -hmm. about it. That mm -hmm. But most of the time, I went outside, to back to the gay bars, back to the lesbian bars, and hooked up with, with people there. Ah. So it was separate, because it's very hard to find people it's kind of like work, right? You don't want to shit where you eat. You mm. don't want to, you know, mm -hmm. and I wanted to keep those leather relationships solid. And when you start merging, uh, I was not one to mix that up. I'm not like that. I'm not poly. I can't do that. I'm I'm very monogamous. So either I'm, I'm hooking up everywhere or I got that one person. I'm mm. not one to like have a couple of people. I, I don't know how to do that. I mean, I, I that's a skill. And I know it's a skill I don't have. So it's so wait, about being you... honest if you were so if you were seriously dating somebody you you wouldn't also be beating other people even if you weren't having sex with them well, oh that's the only way i'm poly oh, is okay, like I, okay. beat, I beat everybody because i don't it's not sexual for me i never if they happen to have an orgasm from me beating them i didn't hitachi them or fist them or anything like that that's great that's the way i like it i don't like to the only person i'm gonna fist and hitachi is my partner mm. if i have one i don't yeah. have one you, know, it's okay. <laughs> you were saying, uh, I think it was you, you were saying that a lot that is done in the kink community is illegal, technically. Everything we do in kink, even though now consent has been added um, as uh, uh, is, is illegal because it's basically assault. It's assault, even though I, let's say I have a permission to beat you, Elizabeth, mm -hmm. and you said, yeah, go ahead, I want to try this stuff. It's still illegal. There's no way that it's okay to to beat on someone uh -huh. those are the laws it's assault and so you have to be very responsible and very aware of things if you consider the lifestyle and very responsible uh -huh. and it can turn on you let's say i'm dating somebody and we're having a great time and we break up and she's really bitter she could be an ass and say like you know yeah that that bitch beat me and so guess what? And then the cops come knocking on my door. Can you see all those I, I, Are you leather fucking redux? And I'm like, oh, yes. Did you beat stones? I'm like, I did. Yes, I'm very proud of it. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, wait. And they're like taking me away in cuffs and shit. Um, did, and what am I going to say? Did you beat her? I'm like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I did. And that's not cool. And even something like service. Like I had a service submissive and, and she would like, uh, lay out my my all my toys, sanitize it in between people, take care of it. You know, they could say, "Well, why is she doing that for you?" I'm like, "Well, it's part of her service to me." And she's like, "Well, maybe you convinced her, maybe you threatened her, maybe you said oh. shit so she would do that shit." So it can be twisted many ways. Um, recently, the the um, NFCS, which is the National Coalition for Sexual Freedom, mm -hmm. um, got some legislation passed that now consent is included because before even if you consented and we decided to play it's still illegal now even though you get consent it's still illegal and it's up to the states to mandate how the, that will look but now consent is part of it which helps a lot so wow. that takes away a little bit of the well she said it was okay i'm thinking that I'm it thinking is that. a consensual thing i never thought I would never think even about if it it's consensual, way. it's still illegal. It's still assault. You can't legalize something where you're beating people. That's assault. No matter. <laughs>
that's, I'm beating you with a spatula. And even though you said yes, it's still beating. It's still assault. Mm. And you're still traumatizing the body. You're still doing all these things. Again, this is why this is considered like um, edge play or, or really taboo. It's, it's still really kind of out there. So it's not just beating, um, you know, which you're really good at, but you also do <laughs> uh, hypnosis and yes. fit, and you teach fisting. Yes, I do. Um, I, I, COVID was an, an incredible time for me because in the dungeons and in the past, I would always be standing around beating people and people would walk up to me and say, hey, can you show me how to use floggers? I'm like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I am not judgy. I don't care what you do with the knowledge I give you. I just want you to do it safely and correctly. So I don't care if you use it to become a professional dominatrix, <laughs> pro-dom. I don't care if you just do it for bedroom sex. I don't give a damn. My goal and my service to the community at large is to show people how to do it correctly. Mm. So I was always about teaching. I was always about, I cannot shut the fuck up. I, I will talk <laughs> about everything. Because I knew how to do things like hypnosis. And people kept talking about fisting. And I, I was like, but there weren't any classes about it. I said, fuck that. I will teach a <laughs> fisting class. So I started teaching uh, fisting 101. Or it's not just for porn stars. And it took off. And I was asked by so many groups across the country to teach it virtually. So much so that when I taught it for the... How the SEK events out of New York, which is uh, led by uh, Master Lola Smiles, uh, Sir J. Black, mm-hmm. um, and at that time, a person named Bicey, uh they headed that group out there in Long Island, and I taught it for them. I, they, she made a joke like, you know what? You sit in a leather, you love fisting so much. I can tell if there was a place called Fist City, you would be the mayor. <laughs> and yeah, so then all of a sudden, and Chicago, if you know this, actually has a place called Revolutionary Brewing Company. Uh, yes. Um, and they have a beer called Fist City. What? So, yes, I, 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 I grabbed the can, but we're, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, so there's actually a, a beer called Fist City. So I show them the can. And from that point on, I would I was called the mayor of Fist City. Nice. I will go on to Zooms and I'm like, oh, the mayor is here because <laughs> I was teaching it so much. Yeah, I was gonna say, so Wea, what's so good about fisting? And and then when I think about fisting, I'm thinking of like, yeah. it's the entire. It's okay, so it's the entire yeah, fist. You're talking about your hand, yeah. Okay, you go ball it up like a fist, and it goes in there. Um, fisting. Uh, so let's let's break it down for 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 different folks. Mm-hmm. Fisting, no matter what, is a form of edge play. It's not for everybody, and it takes time to do it. You have to train your body to be able to take it. So depending on your partner, if your partner happens to have gigantic hands, then you're going to have to train your your anus or your vagina. People have anuses, people have vagina, or you know, to be able to take that thing. Or, or, or you could just play with it, you know, and get like things like butt plugs or, or, or dildos for, you know, people with vaginas mm-hmm. to be able to allow for that to happen. Once you're able to take in something close to the size of what you're trying to fist, then that's when, and if you like it, that's the other thing. If you're doing all this training and you mm-hmm. like it, well, then it's okay. If you're doing this training, that's not for you. It is definitely not for everyone. It is, but... For those that venture in, for people who have vaginas, it creates the most amazing orgasms. And 
because really? it's one of the few things that touches your G spot or the Grafenberg spot, which is that spongy thing. If you scoop your hand in, mm -hmm. there's that little spongy thing, kind of mm -hmm. like a seed of a fucking, uh, you know, uh, nectarine, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. you feel that bumpy thing, or what's just called the ruge, and you can feel that. Um, that's your that's your G spot, and it's one of the few things that also hit your A spot or your A fornix spot. The A fornix spot is right below the cervix so if this is the cervix it's right above here there's so as you're doing this motion you're not only getting the um the g spot on the way out as you're getting the a spot and oh, it's wow. a guaranteed squirter i'm telling you you <laughs> if you're gonna start fisting somebody and you're playing you know grab your raincoat and poncho you're gonna get squirted upon you're gonna put you better put some some towels down because <laughs> here it comes huh? it's gonna you're gonna be drenched and so I you're moving your hand around in there too you can yeah there's many ways there's uh you can just sort of do like a very not light okay but just a very light not heavy i mean mm. like a little punching movement or you could do this wave motion uh. or you could spread your fingers in the middle you can wave things in there and, you know, it's an eye rolling in the back of your head, toe curling, kind of amazing orgasm and screaming kind of stuff. Wow. Your neighbors will hate you. My neighbors hate me. I guarantee you. <laughs> Wait, so you, but you've been doing this for a while. Fisting. Yeah. I love fisting. Mm -hmm. Fisting is my favorite. Um, I, I love to give it because it's, I, one of my fetishes, if, if, if it exists, and it's listed in my uh, fet life as making a hard no into a hell yes. <laughs> and how does that and happen, <laughs> Leather? Because people don't have education and they don't know anybody who has done it or they've heard all the myths. Oh, that's just in porn, you know? Mm. Oh, yeah, I saw mm. in porn somebody was all the way up to their elbow. I'm like, you don't have to go to the damn elbow. We're not, <laughs> you know, we're not porn stars. Those are professionals. They've been doing that for a while. And. You know, there's a whole regimen about it. Like if you're going to whatever you're going to do, like if you're going to do anal and all, that's another one. I mean, um, for people who have vaginas and have clitorises, mm -hmm. I mean, the the clit is actually really huge. It's not this just this tiny thing that sticks yeah, out. It actually like has extends. these little legs. Yeah, it, it's, there's little legs and it, it, it has this whole thing. And if you go anally, you stimulate the bottoms of the legs, and that's a different kind of orgasm, which I like to call an assgasm. You know? <laughs> like and for people who have prostates, it's they already know the magic of anal. They like, my God, this is amazing because it's that's like their that's like their clip. An you know, it's, it was amazing. An assgasm. I mean, my I have a friend, and she loves 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 an assgasm <laughs> over vaginal because it feels totally differently. It feels totally different. And it's that taboo combination. So that's what I mean. People that are kinky that understand, like, you know, pleasure, pain, kinky, and, you know, vanilla, taboo. There's a thing that goes inside some people that they love to play with that. Mm. So, so yeah. Leather, what do you find sexy? Oh, my God. What do I find sexy? Intelligence. Mm. I think I, the first thing that I, get, I gravitate to is, is the person smart because I like to talk to them. Mm. I don't just want to have sex and then, like, Okay, well, you know, it's cold. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm thirsty. Okay, you know, that would really piss me off. <laughs> so intelligence is really sexy to me, number one. Uh -huh. And then, um, and confidence and kindness mm -hmm. has to be combined. 
because sometimes too much of the other you have problems if they're too kind then they're like oh easy to walk over sometimes they're too confident then they're arrogant then they're assholes so you want a nice combination yeah that they have yeah. the confidence to say like no i'm not i've never been fisted but okay i'll do it with you because mm -hmm. i trust you mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. or I'll, I'll just only take this much whatever that you <laughs> want them to have that confidence to assert themselves you don't want them to that those are the sexy things to me and then everything else is like whatever else mm. i mean as a yeah as a person of color as a black person i would love to see more black people in the community uh do you feel the same about yeah how do you feel about having more seeing more asians <laughs> in the that is a dichotomy i th i brought this up during uprise uh if, uh during the uprise conference which was a, a um a virtual conference which i was part of uh I taught flogging for that conference, but I was also part of the Leather Solidarity Collective that put it on. And that was a conference that just happened uh, July 9th through 11th, uh, which primarily bent everything towards a POC spin. Mm -hmm. So like 75% of the uh, presenters, 75% of the vendors, I was in charge of vendors, were all POC mm. and then everybody else. That's never been done. So it was a momentous thing. And I, a lot of things were saved for the Carter Johnson Library, some of the key speeches, amazing speeches. So yeah, I crave that. You have to remember when I was doing this in the 80s, I was the minority. There were none. There were no black people. There were no Latinos. There were nobody. It was very white, white, white. It was like you bury them in the snow, you couldn't find them white. <laughs> it was white as fuck. And nothing wrong with that. I've dated white people, so I'm not being hateful. I'm just stating the how white it was. It was a fucking blizzard. <laughs> and I was the only person. Let alone there weren't that many, if you think of it now, there aren't really that many Asians either. Yeah. I mean, when you think of Asians in the scene, if you are kinky, I mean, people that know uh, the first one that comes probably is Midori. Well, that person's uh. been around for a long time. And then maybe if you're older, maybe you know Kitty Sui. Uh, and then after that, not many. Why is that? Because the shame factor in Asian culture is so high, right? Mm. There's shame in all cultures. There's shame about being gay, being kinky in all cultures. But damn it, it's really high in Asian culture. And they're... Asian culture created some of the kinky things out there. Mm. They were the first to create, the Japanese created baskets to fuck in, and the Mibiris has <laughs> baskets now. They were the ones that did shibari, where it was like bedroom uh. tying up people. But man, do you see any Asians running around? Uh-uh, because -uh. it's a big deal to come out and do this. We do it, but we're quiet about it. We're all totally on the DL. So DL was before DL was DL. I mean, you just didn't talk about this shit but you found each other. So now it's kind of funny whenever there's other Asians on Zooms, uh, on, 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 on FET or whatever, I'm like, we're all like, are you Asian? I'm Asian, oh my God. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. But those are some of my best friends now. Like there's Daisha out of the um, West Coast, MX Bliss out of Portland. Uh, and they, mm -hmm. because there's not many of us. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would love to see more of us, but I also know how the culture is that the shame factor is so big and wow. there's a lot of us asians are the the growing minority in the united states i think we're like 200 2 million or so 200 million i remember i remember oh. the stats so please, please don't don't quote me please but <laughs> you... there are a lot of us and we're kinky as fuck we just don't want our families or anyone to know mm. do you so think that will ever change 
I think it's so slowly getting there. I think the accessibility myself doing the things that I'm doing with you right now, Elizabeth, is mm -hmm. is helping to uh, basically make it more accessible and make it something that people can actually try. Yeah. I think that that is changing, but it's going to take a while because the shame factor is just too great. Mm. I mean, it's uh, it's sad, but it's true. That's why there's not that many of us. We, we can, I can, if I try to count, I mean, I only know like maybe about less than 10. Wow. That, that are out in the sea. I mean, not that I know of that mm -hmm. teach like I do that mm -hmm. are out. I mean, like I said, then there's Tempo, there's this and this. There's, there's a one Asian organization uh, in California called Sake, which is great. Mm -hmm. uh, but there ain't many of us. There's not many educators, you know. Oh. And so that's why it's really important that people, um, I'm really a big proponent of people not dividing us up and going, well, they don't understand our struggle or they don't understand our stuff. I think it's a struggle no matter what to, to be POC to yeah, be BIPOC in this country. And um, and I've been on, on certain Zooms where like, I would talk about that and I, uh, one particular Zoom, somebody like, you know, well, you know, but, you know, but black people are still getting killed and that, I said, yeah, but, you know, yes, it's shitty to be a person of color, um, period. Yeah. Sometimes just we just experience. don't, <laughs> it's just shit. It's just shit. I mean, um, and uh, but we should use that as a unifying mm -hmm. force because I mean, it, I mean, maybe I'm just really stupid and idealistic, so be it. Then. <laughs> but I mean, it, it I think we can come together though, do together. That's something we can do together, yeah. and I think, um, I think I see a little bit more of that kind of unity yes. probably on the west coast. Yes, the west coast is more open to. Everybody, let's get together. But once you start towards moving the mid, the, the the Midwest, things start dividing. It, it starts dividing really quick, which is really an interesting thing. Like, no, they don't understand our struggle. No, yeah. our struggle is worse than theirs. And or and it's really shitty for me to see other marginalized people marginalizing other marginalized people. <sighs> it's really awful. And we really should. I mean, my I don't. I'm not losing hope on that. I yeah. I'm not that kind of a negative Nancy about that shit. Yeah. I I do believe that. We could leverage this, like you know, like some of the comments I've had heard when when the um, when Congress passed that bill, uh, caused say, saying that you know it's it, the the Asian hate crimes that were coming yes. up that they they, they passed that bill. I, I had reactions from my, my POC friends. Some were like, "Wow, that's awesome!" I you know, and some were like, "Why'd you get that?" You know, why you know, you know, st think... stuff is still going on to our people. And I said. Why can't you see that that we can use that resource to help each other? Mm. And you know that would imagine if that unity was there. I mean, to really help each other out. It's it's. I'm it would be nice. I think there are certain. Oh, this thing. Certain groups of power that benefit from keeping us divided. Correct. And I think that's what. Uh, that's a lot of it that goes on, and so. Yeah, there's, you know, even like, and I'm, I don't know everything going on, but even the anti-lynching bill, it is kind of like, okay, really, we've been fighting for that for a while. What the hell is going on? So when we, I think when people that, when they saw that hate crime bill pass, I think it was just a trigger of like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what the hell, you know? Um, and 
as a black person, I also was like, wow, that's really awesome. But, and okay, so there were a lot of things. First, I was like, wow, that's really awesome. And then I said, wow, that took a long time. Uh, for them to come up with a, a, a an anti like hey stop fucking with Asians like that kind of took a long time when you really think about it like it's 2020 2021 um and then there was a lot so and then I also felt like yeah why why is are they I just feel like it's a mind games of like we're gonna give a little bit of crumbs to these people and a little bit of crumbs Correct. to these people and a little bit of crumbs and yes. watch you guys fight over it yes it was purposeful, which is why I don't, that's exactly the way I see it. I see it to divide us instead of, you know, we should get behind this and then we can get behind you guys and everybody else. I see it in a, a very different way, Yeah. you know, but people want to keep it like, well, look at that. See, we, we, that's, we, we let them, the model minority get shit, you know, and like, no, oh. it's not about that. It's not about that. I think, um, we can garner so much more if we truly hunk in there and 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 share those resources. Well, let, let's use these resources to get things done. What yes. do you guys need? Let's do this. And you know what? I'm glad that model minority thing is pe- people. I feel like a lot of people know better now. I think that's like that's crumbling. That's not a. Yeah. I think more people are being educated across. You know, oh, yeah. um, which which is I feel like that's one thing I saw during this quarantine was with social media, I think there was just so much out there, so much written. And, you know, I feel like it, it brought some sort of understanding between the two, yes. you know, different populations. There's so. definitely some. I mean, I think uh, if you use New York as a good example, the the Asian population in New York has, uh, it's, it's like bookends. On one end, Asians have access to a lot of the positions that you know make good money such as doctors lawyers and stuff like that but at the same time there's also so many asians that are below the poverty line below that of african americans and latinx people that's what a lot of people don't know we're below that we're we're so it's so extreme we have so it's not like we always have access to these jobs that you know make the money and part of the industry you know part of that elite it's actually the opposite. There's so many more that don't have it that are. And below it depends that. on the type of Asian you are. Correct. That's another thing. It's also the depends on the kind of Asian you are, and uh, it's you know it's it's not. That's what people don't understand. It's it's not so. They they get all the damn good jobs. No, there's a lot that don't. Hmm. There's a lot that be below and just just barely making it. Wow! 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 Yeah. Wow! So it's so, really different. So how do yeah? How do you feel about? I guess maybe we sort of already talked about it, but when you were saying, you know, your your mother told you that kind of like, hey, <laughs> how do you think? How do you think about that now? It was the best thing she told me because she warned me. She did me a favor. She warned me about how things are unfair, and to not sit around and bitch about it being unfair. Just go get it and do the best you can. And remember that you could still be, you know, I mean, you know, uh, 10 times better, but they'll never see you that way. So that was really such a brutal truth that it made me, I know it fed into who I am and how I am now because Mm. I'm like, well, you're not going to see me that way. I don't care. I'm going to do my shit. And, you know, if you like my shit, great. If you don't, that's nice. 
she mm -hmm. taught me go for it. I mean, my mother did something very unprecedented. She came to this country, brought my whole family in her mid 40s. When you should be like, fucking stop that shit, stay the fuck wow. home. And she said, fuck it, we're out of here. And she always had incredible vision. She always, when she, when she petitioned, it took 10 years or 12 years for us to come here. She petitioned like in the 60s or something. And then, um, you know, uh, shortly before I, uh, I was even a, a thought in my parents' mind. <laughs> and then to, to see how at that time the Philippines was changing politically and mm. she, she said, we got to get out of here. It's going to get really shitty yeah. and we need opportunities. I want my family to have a good life. And, you know, let's, let's, I'm, I'm taking a chance. I'm getting out of here. Mm. And that was so damn bold. Like she was in, she was like 45 or something like that. She was almost like 50, right? Mm -hmm. To start mm -hmm. a whole new life yeah. in a whole new country. Yeah. I'm, you're, can I say you're 57? Right. I am 57. Yes. <laughs> and, and Asian don't raise in motherfuckers for those that can't and, see. It's like, it's okay. I don't, uh, you know, black don't crack, but God damn it. Asian don't raise in either fucking shit. I, I don't that. look at That's why all the girls I did are like in their thirties. No, you God. don't. You don't. Uh, I think when, when someone said that, I was like, what in the world? Um, yeah. So wait, so yeah. then. And I don't hide it. I don't put like, I live in fucking Antarctica and I'm like fucking a hundred. <laughs> It's it's there. What the fuck? If I'm gonna be 105, I'll be 105. I still won't look it. And we're talking Wait, about she only looks 50. I'm like, yeah, I'm 105. We're you talking know? about Fat Life, guys. If you don't know, it's a it's a basically like a kinky Facebook in a way. Yeah, um, Facebook. Yeah, totally kinky, kinky Facebook. You like and love shit. You know, wow. Stuff like that. So then, what do you, what would you say to people like your age who might feel like, oh, they might hear this and go, well, I think I might be kinky too, but they might be afraid. Or I don't, I don't know, would you have any advice? <laughs> First of all, the main thing is that if they heard this and they were even fucking curious, read some shit, mm. find out about it. And there's a lot of education now online via FET, via Instagram. If you look at something called like Kink Hub, there's all these things. If you're kinky, find out about it. The most important thing is you have to do the research and do the work. Don't believe everybody, question shit. And go for it. Mm -hmm. And why not? There are so many. COVID was one of the best things in some ways that happened because it allowed people to really examine their lives and discover what they really wanted. I mean, divorces were crazy because they finally sat around. They had <laughs> they were trapped with their spouses and like, you know, I really don't like you. The only time I survived was because you were at work. And now that you're home, I can't stand you. I mean, and then people discovered like maybe I'm kinky. I mean. People are so thirsty for kink because they discovered when you sit around and, and do the introspection, mm -hmm. like, wow, I really like kind of extreme things or I'm kind of interested in this, whatever. Mm -hmm. And whatever range it is, it could be very light, it could be medium or it could be really heavy like the stuff I do. It's okay. You, you need to live your damn life. In mm -hmm. Asian culture, when you turn 60, we consider that your second life. And what you're supposed oh. to do is the shit you got wrong or fucked up in the first half, you better get it right in the second. Mm. So it's really neat because there's never failure because there's always like get it better, do better, you know, get it better, do better. I mean, that's all you can do. I love that. Um, and so if you discover that, that's fine. Uh, one of my um, f people that was uh, that I hung out with was in their 60s. And they're fairly new. They, they, they dabbled and then they came back to the lifestyle. 
and damn it, do it. I don't care. Mm. I mean, people will find out what they need to find out. And if it speaks to you and makes you happy, that's what it's about. No one, mm. I think uh, in, in, um, in a lot of Asian um, philosophy and literature, there's like uh, theory, uh, especially like in, in Buddhism, that you know, the natural state of humankind mm. is actually joy. Mm. But our mind is like the the steering wheel that, that that drives it, and we get caught up in our own shit. Yeah, we do. And we don't listen. We don't try the things we want to do. Mm-hmm. We doubt ourselves. We're ashamed, mm-hmm. or we hate ourselves, and we don't do the shit that we should. So True. why waste fucking time? I mean, life is short, and Let's do it. Fucking do it. You want to go get fisted? Find somebody who knows how to do it right and work <laughs> it out. You want to try some kinky shit? Go fucking do it. But do the fucking research. Yes. Just do the research find out and you'll know if it's for you you'll Mm. you'll know it's for you because hopefully you're listening to that little voice inside you called your instinct and and listening to that your instincts Mm. are more real than sometimes your own thoughts your thoughts your mind will convince you you're ugly and no good and a piece of shit any day true but if you just listen and get quiet and listen to your instincts you'll realize that you're a very powerful and protected and worthy and loved person. Mm-hmm. And see, that's what I do uh, respect about the community is that it does allow you to be more of yourself. It does allow you to play because all of this is consensual that we're talking about, by the way. Correct. Fisting, getting beat, h- hypnosis, all, all of this is consent by people who want to actually experience these things. No one's under duress unless you want to be. And, right. and yeah. Um, so yeah, okay. So I'm going to wrap this up real quick. I always ask everybody, uh, Leather, are you happy? Extremely happy. I'm extremely happy because I'm, I, um, I, my my kink name is Leather Redux for a reason. I was in the leather lifestyle, like I said, in the 80s, and then I left. Um, I actually fell in love with a vanilla person, and they were not into any of this. And so I had to leave it for a while. And so I was oh. hated by my kinky friends. They're like, why are you with this vanilla person? She'll never let you hit her. And then... <laughs> Her friends were like, do you know that bitch beats people? Do you know who that is? Right. And so it was a rough time. And now that we're no longer together, we're still friends, but uh, I, I never befriend my um, exes, but she, because we were together for like in about 20 years, that's a long time. Oh, like Leather, marriage. that's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So like we were together for a long time. Oh my and gosh. So redux means a return or rebirth. So I have returned to Leather. And I've returned better than ever. And it's almost like, um, if for those of you that do astrology, there's something called a Saturn, Saturn return. Saturn which return. Which is, yeah, with Saturn such a big planet, it takes forever to, along with Jupiter, to, to go around the sun. Mm. And it's almost like the same, like the half-life period when, um, for it to come back. And when it comes back, you sometimes have to repeat or finish the things you didn't finish at the end. So... I'm literally now totally uh, in the lifestyle and and doing the, my best. I'm I'm incredibly happy because I get to teach the stuff that I love. I teach not only um, hard skills like flogging, uh, fisting, and all this stuff. I teach soft skills that people are surprised. Like I teach uh, a form of tantric meditation. Mm. Mm. And it's not all sexual. That's mm-hmm. the thing that's funny. This was awesome. Thank you for talking to me um and sharing all of this um i think you're awesome if 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 yeah if y'all are in chicago and you do happen to meet uh leather 
don't be, you know, she's really nice, you guys. <laughs> I promise. I, yeah, I, I might have a grumpy face, but it's, I, I don't have a, I'm not grumpy. I'm just like fucking serious. I'm a serious <laughs> bitch, you know. I'm serious about this stuff. But do say hi. Um, and uh, my, uh, for, if you guys are on uh, FET, uh, it is Leather Redux um, on FET Life. And um, for um, those of you that do Insta, it's Leather Redux on Instagram. Um, and that's that's that. I mean, uh, you know, uh, if I, I do suggest people read on these things if they want to do these things. I suggest a couple of books like, um, uh, let's see, uh, one, one of my favorites, which is it's a quick read. Mm -hmm. So and if you can get past the opinions of the of the writer, because they're very opinionated, but there are some great morsels in it. It's a book called Welcome to the Dark Side, a BDSM uh, primer. Mm. by Rajan Dominari. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, um, it's, like I said, he's very opinionated. He throws his opinions in there, but it does, in a very small space, go over the leather lifestyle and, and, and just kink in general. Yeah. And yeah. gives you terminology. So if you were curious what to do, you know, how does this play out? He does capture that. So I'd say if you're interested, that's a nice book to check out. Check out the book, um, It's on Amazon or you could buy Kindle, whatever. Nice. And um, and thank you so much, Elizabeth, for asking me. I I was so uh, touched that you wanted to hear from me. I think um, you're awesome. What I mean when I I hear you in the munches, and I'm like, damn. I've been wanting to ask you for a while, just because I don't know. I just I I think I appreciate your honesty, and I don't know. You just always seem authentic, and I and I kind of that's my thing. I like that. I, I don't know how to be any other way. I I'm the most honest bitch you'll know. Don't ask me if you look fat in that dress because I will say yes. I I I'm not. Oh. I don't have a lot of tact, but I'll I'm I'm as honest as as they come. Thank you, awesome. thank you so much. Thank you for everybody listening. Thank you, thank and, you, thank uh, you. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> hey. All right, all right. So we are.